Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. Is yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas even still a thing? Uh, like, is it popular with the childrens of today? Um, I feel like it's not as popular as it once was. But like, emo is making a comeback, and with that comes Nightmare Before Christmas. It's it's inevitable. It is ine- <laughs> It is inevitable. <laughs> Why are skeletons so hot? Mm. Who just wants to, to bone them? Fucking impossible beauty students. <laughs> <laughs> yep, because everyone wants to bone them, Casey. Because, <laughs> you know, they're humorous. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I'm glad we've reached <laughs> back of the Laffy Taffy rapper <laughs> humor. <laughs> popsicle stick humor the popsicle stick humor oh <laughs> shit oh no we started out like cutting edge real raunchy <laughs> shit here we are at popsicle stick <laughs> oh oh fuck. it's okay you know what we're not perfect gotta just no <laughs> uh buddies perfect is nobody nerfing Nightmare. Fucking nightmare. Yeah, it's all a fucking nightmare. This book is a nightmare. Is it? No, it's fucking... (laughs) (laughs) It's... I mean, it is. It's a very different kind of nightmare from what we do. okay. But, like, in a... Not uplifting is the wrong word. Um, inspiring, inspiring, and humbling sort of way. Yeah, a study in humanity and war and all sorts of that kind of stuff. Everything and the that w- true meaning of heroism. I thought you were gonna say Christmas. <laughs> no, the true. I meaning. wish I was. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So very different kind of horrors from what we were talking about. These are like, yeah. not not better horrors, but just... Oh, they're way better <laughs> horrors. I'd, I'd take these horrors any day. Oh, yeah. I've started trying to bully people into reading these books so yeah. I can talk to them about them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's not going well. <sighs> but I've tried. Listen, I mean, okay. I think someday... People will be like, where, where did these books come from? These are the coolest books. And we'll be the veterans who are like, oh, yeah, we knew about these. Like, we knew they were amazing. We'll be, like, smoking a cigarette in a back alley. Like, 
I was reading these books before you even knew what wool was, boy. Do we have a hat? Probably. Sure. Like one between us, we have a singular hat that's back and forth. Yeah. And we give life advice. Yeah, like one of us talks and then we hand the hat over. Oh my god. And you know exactly what I'm going to do in that moment. Like, now you listen here. You should have been reading these books back in 2022. That's when all the kids were reading these books. All the cool kids that needed to know about these war books. It's also a transatlantic man in it. There's a transatlantic man. One might say he was a minor character, but I'd like to think he changed the course of the entire war. He was me. <laughs> I'm the man. I'm the transatlantic man. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite bits that's ever come out of our podcasting. <laughs> More, so than, more than cover poor grandma's toes? I mean, okay, it's like top ten, I think. Okay, fair. But if we redo okay. the top ten list, we can... Yeah. Yeah. The transatlantic man. The transatlantic man. <laughs> Milton Clyde. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. No, Austin, no. <laughs> Not what we said. <laughs> oh, God. Um... Yeah, so, um, when, when, uh, I almost said Tim, Michael Grant, um. (laughs) When Tim, of popular podcast Horse Girls, was not involved with this at all. (laughs) Uh, Michael Grant, when we said, oh, Michael Grant, like, turned up the volume to 11, um, he turned it up to 22 in this section that we read. He did. He did. He did. Fucking did. I had feelings. I had goosebumps. I had tears. I had multiple times. Once when I was reading, and then once when I was writing notes. Aww. Tears. In my eyes. a veritable plethora of emotion. It was. Like, how dare he? I mean, yeah, how dare he? Make me feel shit. Could you do this to me? Anyway. I don't know. How could you, Michael Grant? How could you make us feel? Goddamn son of a... You son of a gun. Son of a gun. Oh, God. Okay. So you sent me a message earlier saying Rio with a bunch of hearts next to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Favorite? Forever? I stand by that. Um... (laughs) Okay. I don't... See... Okay. Here's my problem. I love them all mm-hmm. so fucking much. Mm-hmm. And like Rainy and Frangie in this section are like, f- they were fucking incredible. I would have been like, if Rio didn't do what she did, I would have been like, oh my God, Rainy and Frangie are so much better. They're like a thousand times better than Rio ever was. I love them so much. They were like, they're my favorites. They're neck and neck. But Rio fucking stepped it up too. So like no one lost it. They all just got amazingly better. But, like, yeah, Rio was the one that, like, as I was reading this, like, oh, my God. It just, it resonated with me so much. Like, in a, in a way that, like, the other ones didn't. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't even know if I can adequately explain it. But it was almost because of, like, the, like, crazy heroism that Frangie does. I'm like, you're so much better than I'll ever be. Mm-hmm. And like, 
that's just a fact. You like she was in fucking credible. Mm-hmm. And then Rainy was an insane badass and like I I've the fucking shit that she did was like amazing and I love her and it was it, it was incredible. It just like it was not a situation that like I immediately found something to latch onto that like I resonated with. But Rio mm-hmm. with her whole inner monologue right before the big moment uh-huh. <laughs> was like I don't know. That just like res there was something in there that I just was like, I relate to that somehow, even though it's like not a situation that I've ever been in or mm-hmm. pro- most likely will ever be in. Mm-hmm. But there was something about it that just resonated with me so much more than the other two. Okay. So it's not even that she is my favorite. It's just that in this particular Mm -hmm. group of chapters that we read, I found something in Rio that, like, just hit me the right way. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Frangie really got me in this section. Like, there are two very distinct moments that happen that, like, gutted me. I have, I have chills right now sitting here. I know. I know. Brangie was incredible. Fucking, fucking shit. Incredible. I love her so much. Oh my god. She's so good. She is the peak human. Like Right. Like <laughs> the perfection. <laughs> she is who we should all aspire to be, I quite know. honestly. I know. Oh my god. Like Nobel Peace Prize winner. Like, fucking. uh, Okay, this is whenever anybody ever for the rest, history of time forever, forever, forever says something about like bravery is like, you know, going in and like, you know, giving up like fighting and blah, 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 like all the shit that you expect a soldier to do if like, you know, this is like, this is what bravery is. It's like true bravery is not that because like that yeah that's brave that is bravery like that's amazing but like if you want another side of that coin like this is not a single faceted thing there is running in without any weaponry to help somebody and that's fucking badass crazy bravery too and like i it's just like it's such a perfect example of that she's so good (laughs) she's amazing (laughs) yeah like it's i think yeah, and it's like one thing to run in when you're armed. It's and it's like a whole separate level when you're not. Yep. Ugh. What the fuck? What the fuck? What yeah. The fuck? I can't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, it's it's incredible. This this was this whole Oh my god. <laughs> I'm going to scream. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. I love these books so much. I do too. I do too, and I'm oh, I'm so mad, but I love it. I hate yeah. that I feel so much. Yeah. <sighs> I I don't hate that you feel so much. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't either, but I just. I, I again i get mad that other books aren't as good as this oh all the time yeah all the fucking time like, i read and like, i read this and then i read twilight and i'm like why stephanie meyer why have you failed me so much <laughs> 
I don't even know how to answer that question. And like, I'm so if if you have listened to Hearst Girls, anybody on here, you can hear our opinions on Twilight. But um, plug, yeah, weird weird plug. But like, I I've mentioned that I I now get this TikTok account called Twilight Talk like mm-hmm. all the time. And she was talking today about how, like, Edward is, like, her favorite character in all of literary media. And, like, she just, she fell for him when she was a teenager and she's never let that go. And, like, I was kind of with her for a bit, like, with Animorphs. I was like, yeah, I get that. Like, yeah, I get characters that, like, live with you for your whole life. And then, like, then I was like, but Animorphs is really good, though. (laughs) And, like... And then, like, reading these books, it's, like, yeah, like, not to shame anybody for enjoying Twilight or, like, enjoying what they, like, whatever media that resonates with them. Like, yes, enjoy it. But, like, there is something next level to this sort of writing and this sort of book that just, like, gets me more than any other book that I've read. And, like... Uh, I don't know. There's just something about these books. Like, I can't stop thinking about them. Yeah. And, like, it just, yeah. And, like, I try to justify to myself, it's like, okay, not everybody who has tried to read Animorphs or will try to read Animorphs is gonna like it. And, like, I try to accept that, but I'm also just like, why, though? Like, they're so good. Like, they're so good. Like, Well, now it's, like... I have a second answer for that. And it's like, okay, like, if you don't want to read Animorphs because you think it's, like, a goofy kid's book, you can't get past, Ugh. like, the first, like, goofiness of it, yes. then go read Frontlines. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, like, Ugh. it honestly feels a lot like Animorphs to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just, like, even down to, like, the way that, you know, so they, they're given an order and they have to go do this thing. And everyone's like, this is really stupid. We're all going to die. We are dying. And then mm-hmm. they have to improvise a way to get up into the pillboxes. And they do this, like, kind of guerrilla warfare style. Like, we're going to sneak up and, like, bomb the shit out of them. And it's just like, dude. Like, such quick oh thinking. God. And just, like, doing things on the fly. And... Doing yep. things like not going in guns a blazing necessarily and doing the more like subterfuge kind of stuff. Like it's just, oh my God. Yeah. Every time they go in guns a blazing, it just goes bad. Yeah. They just get mowed down. Yeah. Yep. And that's like, I love that that's part of the narrative every time like that Rio is sent on one of those missions. Because that's the orders that keep coming down is go in guns a blazing. And every time Rio's like, they are so much better entrenched than us. They are so much better defended than us. Why the fuck do we keep doing this bullshit plan? And, like, every single time that happens, you know, like, they're given the orders, they do the thing, everybody gets killed, and then they're like, okay, like, we have an objective, we're, we're just gonna do something else. And yeah. that's when it starts to work. Yep. It's like they gave it the good college try, they lost a bunch of people, and then they're like, all right, every person for themselves now. Like, we're going to fucking do a thing. (sighs) Yep. Once things start breaking down, they're like, we'll just do our best. We'll just get it done. Just get it done. (laughs) Should should we get to summarize Yeah, yeah. I suppose we should. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Like, literally every single chapter is just so intense. It's so fucking intense. Ugh. I'm really excited to, like, for you to recap it. Oh my god. It's not quite as unhinged as the last time. It's a little... Oh, I don't... But... <laughs> Whatever. Ugh. Okay, for anyone following along, we're doing chapter 5, and we're stopping at chapter 12. So, I wrote it down this time. Nice. I'm going to fuck up some French now. So, we're first visiting with Rainy, who is with Etienne, Etienne, and Marie, the siblings from the from the Marquis, Marquis, not Marquis. That's a different thing. Fuck it up, French. Anyway, they're going to Limoges, the town that they're going to. Um, and so far, the trip has been fairly uneventful and very easy, and almost so easy that Rainy finds herself almost bored as they're driving this truck full of black market cognac through the French countryside and every all the village and farms just look the same and she's like making small talk with everybody she's so fucking bored out of her mind um and at some point they reach a fork in the road and Etienne says they can stay on the road that goes straight to Limoges or they can go into the town which is next to a woods and they might find some Das Reich tanks I'm fucking up German too here we go. Um, Rainy's like, yeah, let's do the tank thing. And Marie starts making a face at her brother. And soon after arriving in town, Etienne says he has to go check up on a quote unquote friend. And Marie clarifies for Rainy that this is a horizontal collaborator or a woman who sleeps with Germans. And she's like pissed about this. And Etienne is like, well, you know, sometimes she provides like useful information and Rainy's like, okay, yeah, whatever, I have to pee, so let's go. <laughs> like, the decision comes down to her. Um, so he goes off to, like, get a fuck, and uh, she and Marie head into a cafe. And as they walk in, there's two tables that are occupied, one by an old couple, and another by three SS officers. Um, and they're like, oh, fuck, like, this is not a good thing. Marie tries to take them to an inauspicious table, and they order lunch and they're just trying to act natural and not raise the alarm and not give them any sort of, you know, indicator that they're not who they are. Um, and the Germans are just like getting more drunk and rowdy and talking about prostitutes and leering at them. And Rainey's just like, okay, just like 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, and then we can go. And then one of the officers gets up and all of his buddies are like, yeah, go for it, man. And he's, like, drunkenly stumbling around being like, hey, patrol, where's the bathroom? And he accidentally stumbles into their table and starts chatting them up. And it's, like, every woman's worst nightmare of trying to go anywhere and having some drunk dude try to chat them up. Except it's 3,000 times worse because it's a fucking Nazi. But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And Franey is, like, trying to answer the guy's questions and just like keep calm but she's thinking about the suicide pill that's sewn into her collar and the knife and the gun strapped under her dress um and then he starts getting like really up in her face and he's like you're not french and marie's like well of course she's french like we're cousins and he's like no i know a jew when i see one and he yells at the patron to bring them some ham which i was confused about because earlier they said they only had horse meat but whatever i guess they have ham um, and so he takes the ham, he folds it into a sandwich, and he tells Rainy to eat it. And she absolutely does. And she's just thinking to herself, I'm Jewish, but I'm not Coatser, you stupid fuck. Like, what the fuck? 
And all the other Nazis are laughing at the dude, and he kind of nods an apology, and he gets up and heads to the bathroom. And then almost immediately, Etienne bursts in, screaming, we have to go now. And, of course, he shouts this before he sees the Nazis. And a woman bursts in after him. She's swearing at him in French, and she's yelling at the Nazis, like, this guy is Maquis. And there's this, like, moment of silence, and Rainey is doing the math in her head. And finally, she's like, yeah, we have no other option. She whips out her gun and shoots the two Nazis at the table. Um, And the other one charges at her, and she tries to shoot him, but her gun jams. He knocks her to the ground, and they just have this, like, brutal fucking fight on the ground. And, like, you know, he's bigger and stronger than her, and he's, you know, better trained. But she's, like, grabbing at glass pieces and, like, stabbing them into his throat. And she, like, tries to stab him with a steak knife, but it breaks off. And she's, like, sawing that against his throat and just, like, trying to kill this guy. And (laughs) it's fucking brutal. And and she's, like, hitting him with a bottle. And eventually the bottle breaks. She grabs this long shard stabs it into his jugular and just twists until he dies beneath her. And finally, after that's over, she stands up. Everyone at the room is staring at her like, what the fuck? And she, <laughs> she's just like calmly like dislodging the jammed round from her gun. And she's like, okay, so here's what happened. Uh, the Germans picked a fight with the truck drivers that got, that visited through here and got themselves killed. If you stick to that story, the Maquis won't be after you. And the woman who ran in after Etienne looks like she's about to bolt. So Rainy just fucking shoots her right in the chest. Because she's like, I'm not, I'm not giving her this opportunity. Um, she and Marie and Etienne run to the truck. And Etienne's like, we should have taken her guns. And you didn't have to kill Marianne. And Rainy's like, okay, listen, you fucked up big time. And I'm in charge of this mission now. And Marie is absolutely in full support of this. She is so fucking disgusted with her stupid brother. Um, and he stops arguing with them at this point. And as Rainey's coming down off the adrenaline and she's kind of feeling like the horror of murdering someone and like the blood spilling over her hands. She's also thinking about how the bullet hole was not centered in the mistress's chest and what happens if the witnesses can't or won't lie to the police. And she's like, this is going to go south real fast. We have a 10 minute head start, but... It's time to make an alternative plan. It's time to hide. That is the first chapter. <laughs> yep. So fucking much. Oh my god. It's so good. And like the desperation from like Rainey's I will not be caught by these people. I will not go back to like I know mm. exactly what these people are going to do to me. Like mm-hmm. You can feel that desperation in the fight even though she's like that's not the narrative that she's going with. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's so good. When she shot the mistress too, I was like, fuck! <laughs> like, I just... It was... Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, it was so much. Like, sometimes... I've had dreams before where there's, like, someone trying to kill me, and I have to kill them, and... This is really dark. I'm sorry, but like it's a dream. But like, <laughs> and I'm trying to kill them, and they won't die. And I'm trying everything I yeah. can, and I'm doing exactly what she did, and just grabbing every weapon I can, and just like eviscerating yeah. them, and being like, "Die already!" So I was just like, "Oh shit!" Ah, uh, yep. so, Etienne fucking sucks. 
Etienne's the worst. Oh. I hate that guy. Fucking worst. I fucking hate that guy. And he doesn't, he doesn't get any better. He absolutely does not get better. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. He's really lucky that Rainy didn't shoot him, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Shall, shall we go on to the next one? Which is still Rainy. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So their new plan is to try and... I, like, I got a little um, confused by this, but I guess they're going to try and sell the cognac to some of the Nazis that will be posted along the road, um, kind of as evidence that they're just, you know, honest smugglers and they didn't kill a bunch of people in a bar earlier. Yeah, <laughs> um, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> the closer you are to danger, the farther you are from home. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan. But they drive for almost a full day, and they encounter absolutely no one, which is super fucking weird. Um, and they they don't know what to make of it. And the next day, they kind of stop for breakfast. And Rainy notices that Etienne has been very distant and very defensive since everything that happened yesterday. And he has not explained to them what he said to the prostitute to the point where she ratted them out. Um, very, very specifically sticks out in Rainy's mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And she also thinks about how there are informants and traitors within the Maquis, and she starts to wonder if Etienne might be one. But she kind of chides herself in being like, okay, like, you have no proof, and, like, just because you don't like him doesn't mean he's a traitor. Like, you know, just stop talking yourself into this, basically. Um, he's absolutely a traitor. She's absolutely going to murder him. Yeah, she <laughs> trust her gut, man. Trust her gut. <laughs> I know. Her gut is always right. Yeah. Ugh. But that's probably later. Um. <laughs> but nice, nice piece of uh, foreshadowing right there, Michael Grant. Yeah. Um. So they continue to drive around. They still don't run into anyone. Um. It's still very weird. And they actually hit a pothole and blow a tire on their truck. And, of course, Rainy and Marie are like, okay, well, like, what do we do? Like, let's try and find a spare. And Etienne's just being a useless piece of shit and just, like, smoking a cigarette. And, like, oh. Mm. Traitor. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's finally like, we have contacts in Tool. They're communists, but they may help us. Um, So he tells the girls to wait with the truck. And Rainy's like, no, we're coming with you. And he's like, what, you don't trust me? And she's like, I just don't want to wait in the woods. What of it? So she and Marie tag along and they get a ride in somewhere and then head back to this small farm. And there's a farmer there. He shows them to the barn area and there's a couple of guys back there. And one of them is a younger guy whose code name is Philippe. 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 <laughs> the horse from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. The good boy. Um, very good boy. He's apparently he's shirtless and very attractive, I guess. I don't know. And he obviously knows Marie and has a huge crush on her and it's reciprocated and it's cute, whatever. Um, <laughs> Etienne explains that they blew a tire and Philippe leads them behind the barn and there's kind of this like lean to sort of shack situation um, against the back and inside he scrapes dirt off the floor with a shoe and reveals a trap door which he leads them down and there's a dirt walled basement down there and inside are two uh, Royal Air Force dudes um, one of them is Sergeant Hooper. He's a radio operator and he busted his knee real bad. 
Um, it probably won't walk normal again. And the other is Lieutenant David Wickham. Wickham! Um, he's very blonde and very handsome, and he has a good accent, I guess. I don't know. Fancy lad. Fancy British lad. <laughs> um, and Rainy... <laughs> God. Rainy's immediately like, this dude's very attractive, but also he reminds me of my brother, and those two thoughts cannot coexist. And I'm just like, stop! <laughs> this is another Jake cousin Rachel thing, and I hate it. <laughs> my cousin is very attractive, and I can't stand <laughs> but it. But she's like... But she's my cousin. I would think she was attractive if she weren't my cousin. <laughs> That's what I was getting. I'm like, what is this nightmare? Why does this keep happening? Michael Grant, you gotta stop it, man. <laughs> we get it. You can understand objectively that your relatives are attractive. <laughs> Actually, you know what? After the conversation we started this yeah. podcast with, I'm back on Michael Grant's side. <laughs> Fuck what we said. Fuck us. Michael Grant's right. Oh, no. <laughs> it's more common than we think, apparently. It's more common than we think. Oh. Well, he's trying to instill in people the voice in their head that says, if they're your cousin, don't. 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 Unlike some people, some people are like, that's a bad idea. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. This is- I didn't have to draw any attention to this, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so, two RAF guys. Um, apparently they got shot down fighting the Germans, and the French have been harboring them for about three weeks, and they are very anxious for news from the war, and Rainey's like, I don't know anything that you don't know. General Eisenhower doesn't personally tell me anything. Um, Etienne's being annoying, and... <laughs> yeah. Um, Etienne's being annoying, and Rainey notes that Philippe also doesn't like him, but she's not sure if that's because he's Marie's brother, or if he's just a pain in the ass. We don't know. But she makes a note of it. She puts a pin in it. Um, the old farmer brings down some charcuterie for everyone. And it's not nearly enough. But everyone is grateful anyway. And they just kind of hang out um, until it's like time for some radio announcement. So they have this radio in there and they turn it on. And the radio announcer reads out some personal messages. Which everyone, including the enemy, knows are coded messages. Um... And apparently they're just, like, waiting around for a very specific one. One of the messages that's read off is John has a long mustache and Philippe's eyes go wide and he gets fucking jazzed. Because apparently this is the last instruction before the final uprising, the one he's been waiting for. Um, And Rainey kind of takes note of the reactions around the room. Most specifically on Etienne, but he is actually unreadable. She can't tell what he's thinking. Um, Etienne asks again about the busted tire and if they're going to help them. And Philippe says that he needs to send them on a side quest to retrieve two of his men that were arrested and deported because he needs people um, to help him with his mission. And he's looking for people who can shoot and who can speak German in a in a perfect world. Um, and Rainey's like, well, this wasn't part of my original assignment, which was to gather information on the Dashreich, but um, I can't do that without Philippe's help. So she volunteers, I speak German. And that's the second chapter. And she can shoot. She can shoot. She did shoot. She did. <laughs> Effectively. Effectively, one might say. Yeah. And she stabbed in the throat jugular. 
<laughs> got him. I fucking, I got so weirdly excited when the radio call came through. Like, I didn't know what happened, but I was just like, everyone else is excited. I'm excited. Why are we excited, guys? <laughs> but nothing but fucking dead air for weeks. And now we finally have yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I, so I couldn't. So Michael Grant doesn't always explain war stuff. He just kind of drops it in and you're expected to either look it up or no, which I love. I love that. But like, was that radio announcement for the invasion that happens a little bit later? Or was it like a different thing that the communists were doing? I wonder. Oh, that's a great question. Dan. I don't know specifically what it was... Dan, get in here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was specifically what it was for. Because that's a great question. Because those two things are kind of happening simultaneously right now. Right. Because, like, cause like, Frangi and Rio have already kind of had, like, oh, the thing's happening, time to go. Yeah. But Rainy hasn't had that yet. So I wondered if this was, like, that for her. Um Probably. Should we Google it and see if it pops up? Googling stuff with Casey and Alex. With Casey and Alex. Googling stuff with Casey and Alex. Okay, Are so what was it? John's. John Cena? Right, code. John, John Cena. John has a long mustache. Code signal used by the French uh, to mobilize the forces once the Allies had landed in Normandy beaches. So, okay. yeah, okay. that's what it was. Cool. We did it. We did it. Google is great. Google is great. The next time you have a question for someone, you could Google it. Yeah, just Google it. <laughs> Don't even try. Just Google it. Yeah. Remember, you guys remember Ask 3 before me from from childhood? Ask three people before you go ask the teacher. All right. We are, we are with Rio now. Sweet, beautiful Rio. Um, she is aboard the USS Richard Atkinson, and she's getting her final briefing before the big show. She's surrounded by various officers, and less than half of them have ever seen combat, so they have no idea what's about to happen, and it's all fine. It's fine. Um, they are looking at a sand table for the beach that is codenamed Omaha, and the captain is explaining the plan, which is basically as follows. There's a beach. as steep bluffs. The Germans will be on top of the bluffs. Uh, the Allies will have the Navy and the Air Force try to bomb the shit out of them. If they miss, they will bomb the shit out of the beach. And the ground troops will have holes to hide in. The beach has hedgehog mines that the engineers will try and disable. There may be Nazi planes. There will definitely be ground troops and panzers beyond the initial uh, Nazis on the bluff. Um, as he's explaining this, Rio is translating to herself what it actually means. They are fucked and this is going to be a massacre. It's all yep. bad. She wasn't wrong. Oh, God. Ugh. <sighs> so after the briefing, she is commiserating with Stick and Kat, um, who is also... Kat's also a sergeant? Kat's also a sergeant. Yeah. Good for Kat. Yay, um, Kat. Yay, Kat. We love her. Um, and Rio realizes that about half of her squad are, like, veterans of combat. It's, like, Jack and Jino and, you know, all those kids we know and love except for gear um and i mean he's there we just don't love him he's there we don't love him (laughs) (laughs) um 
but uh, basically she's like, I have 12 soldiers. I'm going to try and start and end the day with 12 soldiers. That's all I can do. Um, so she gets back to her squad and Private Sweetheart is waving his gun around and he's like, the Germans will be easy. They'll be licked. And she's like, no, you're a fucking idiot. Also, your safety's off. Um, and then she proceeds to tell them this is going to be really bad. Uh, the Germans are never going to give up because they think that they're the heroes and that the Americans are the bad guys. Um, and she starts giving everyone advice. Uh, basically leave all your extra gear on the boat. If you drop in deep water, unhook all your shit, keep your rifle, keep it dry and keep it clean. Um, listen to Jeannot and Bibi and Jack and all of the other veterans. If they tell you to run, run. If they tell you to duck, duck. And as soon as they land on the beach, they're supposed to run straight to the bluffs because the Germans cannot shoot straight down and that they'll be safest there. Um, and then she's going around and she asks them why they're doing this. And a new recruit named Maria Molina speaks up and says to kill Germans. And Rio's like, yes, and you will kill every single one of them until we go to Berlin and fucking kill Hitler himself. Um, and she hears some of the other sergeants around her giving the same speech and they're amping their soldiers up for war. And she thinks about how her father told her to find a sergeant that she trusted and stick with him, how that had been Mackie and Cole for her. But now she was the sergeant, the one that her recruits were going to look to. No fucking pressure. And that's chapter three. Man. Ugh. I fucking loved this and I think what I loved about this so much was just her walking in and being like you're a fucking idiot we're fucked everything is terrible shit I'm in charge of these people but it's gonna be fine <laughs> like, <laughs> it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a great day for us like the switch <laughs> that she had to do when she was like oh my looking God. around at all their faces and she's like oh shit <laughs> I'm in charge of these assholes. Shit. Uh, I have to pretend to be fine with it so that they don't lose their heads. Yep, yeah. exactly. I can't Ugh. I can't fucking sketch them out right before we're going into the stupid fucking battle. <sighs> yep. Oh man. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Private Sweetheart, though, can just go. I'm not a fan. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed yeah, at him. not a fan of his. Any more thoughts? No, I want you to keep going. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Oh, my. Oh, God. This fucking chat. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that's why I wanted you Fuck. to keep going. Okay. This is, one of, this is one of the moments I alluded to earlier that fucked me up real bad. Okay. So, it's nighttime. We're with Frangie now. She is on an LST, which is basically a tank boat. It's a tank boat. Yeah, it's a tank boat. Um, <laughs> and there are LCTs that are riding alongside them in the dark. They're more different tank boats, but they're smaller. There you go. Um, and she can hear the skirts of the amphibious tanks inflating. They are just getting ready. Um, she is standing with Corporal Manning, her Jeep driver, and a guy named Deacon, who is an older medic. And that's going to be like her team when they're on the ground. They hear a ranging shot from one of their ships and then a more steady barrage of the shots of the ships around them. And it's described as a marching band. It's described as a marching band made solely of drummers. And I thought that was a really cool sentence. Mm. 
Oof. Um, and eventually the tanks start rolling out and the first one kind of rolls into the water surrounded by its flotation skirt and they're watching it and they're like, oh shit, it floats. Cool. Awesome. We love it. Um, then a second tank kind of follows it, but the third tank, the ramp gets hit by a wave and the tank kind of gets caught in the ramp and catches the skirt and crumples it and the tank just goes down into the water because it's like a 67,000 pound tank and it's just seconds. It's gone forever and it takes the crew down with it and there's like orders being shout out that they need to get the rescue boats over there but like it took them seconds to get to the bottom of the English channel like they're fucked. Um, And Frangie is just horrified and she hopes that the deaths were quick. Um, And then shit gets worse because the lead tank also just goes nose down and also sinks like immediately. Um, The second tank seems to be doing okay, is still heading to shore, but the commander of the fourth tank, which is still on the boat, is like, hell no, what's wrong with these things? I'm not going. Um, And oh my god. Frangie forces herself to look away from this absolute horror show. And the light is growing around her, and she finally sees what she's a part of. There are ships in every direction, as far as the eye can see, every single kind of ship you can imagine. Destroyers, tankers, oilers, battleships, minesweepers, tiny ships. There's planes whirling around in the sky, making contrails. And she is like, this is a giant hammer ready to fall. And she just feels like she's part of this huge historic effort. And then she hears like a feminine voice start uh, um, singing America the Beautiful. And she sees the star and the striped flag waving in the wind. She really sees it. And she feels that for every horror and injustice that the flag represented for her and her race, her heart now feels very big in her chest. Um, And Deacon's also kind of looking at it and he's like, maybe the Germans will just give up. And Frangie starts telling them about Rainy and what the Germans did to her. And those are the people that they are supposed to go after. Um, She says the Germans will be scared, sure, but they will not quit. And everybody needs to shut up and check their supplies, basically. (laughs) Um, She lets them go and then she lingers behind for a bit, thinking about what's coming ahead and how afraid she is. Um, And she also thinks about how when she got her Silver Star, she could have gone home and sold war bonds. But she did the right thing and she stayed behind to help. And maybe it wasn't so much of a sin to indulge in a little bit of pride, right? Um, But she can't shake the feeling that, that she felt when the tanks went down. And even though it's her job to keep calm and not show any fear, the fear is back. And even though she knows God is watching over her, the fear is still back. Holy God damn shit, Michael fucking Grant. Like, I'm not a patriotic person. I have never been a patriotic person. I have, I did not want to stand for the fucking Pledge of Allegiance in school and, like, We've never had a flag on our house, and I, you know, 90% of the time feel just very jaded with America and how fucked it is, and just, like, but, like, (laughs) the way that that visual was described of all those fucking ships in in the fucking sunrise, and what that must have looked like from the beach, I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. Stunning. It was incredible. 
And like oh. seeing it through Frangie's eyes as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost made more impactful because Frangie has in a way a jaded view of America. Oh, for sure. Like <laughs> so, 3000 times worse for her. Yeah. So like it resonated. Oh my god. Like goosebumps. Yeah. For the, like and like immediately from like you just watch two tanks sink and take all of its crew with it and then you look up and you're like, "Oh, wow." Yeah. And then you feel like this swell of I don't even know if it's like pride, country pride or whatever. I don't know what it is, but you feel that. Like it's it's just it's a whiplash. It's it's a whiplash, but it's like it's done so fucking well because mm-hmm. like it start cuz she's like going through the whole like rhetoric in her head of like the tank sunk and like imagine being caught in that and being crushed under all that water and like drowning yeah. and I hope it was, like she's going through all these like circular thoughts and then is describing what happened to her friend Rainy or yeah, what happened to Rainy in the concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And like then it's like it's this horror to horror to like the second horror is why we're doing what we're doing. And then she mm-hmm. looks up and just seeing like and it's cause it's like the three it's like here are our heroes. Here are three heroes, right? Waiting to go or four yeah. heroes waiting to go. And then yeah. you look up and you're like there are frangy equivalents across all of these ships. There are real mm-hmm. equivalents across all of these ships. And like, it's mm-hmm. mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And like frangy doesn't necessarily like, cause like we're reading this and we have at least some of the context of just like how world war two was and like yeah. what happened and like what happened after this moment. Yeah. And, like, Fringy doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that she's, like, we all might die and this might go horrible and, like, the Nazis will take over the world, blah, blah, blah. But, like, the fact that she's standing there and she's, like, I know this is significant. I know this is huge. I know this is going to make history is just, like, yeah. ah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And, I mean, she even has, like, kind of a special knowledge, too, because I think... If I remember correctly, and so I probably shouldn't say it, is what I'm basically pre preamble. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. There was not a lot of uh, soldiers that knew like how bad the different like jails and concentration camps and stuff were. So when they were going into it, like she's someone who's like she's breaking the news of the shit they did to one person. Yeah, and like that seems horrific. But, like, that was something that also, like, it's just wild to think in that context that, like, we still know more just because, like, not just because it's, like, a historical fiction, but also because, like, there's things that have happened in the books that have given us extra knowledge. Yeah. It's wild. God, I love this chapter so much. Yeah. It was incredible. And I don't think that the next frangy chapter drops at all oh so <laughs> oh god this is like frangy is fucking incredible mm. all right what else are we let's let's one? do it let's do Next it one? fuck all right Ugh. 
Shit's going bad. It's going to get bad. Everybody, grab your butts. Buckle up. Buckle the fuck up. All right. We're back in Lupe's perspective. Um, The troops are heading to shore. It is dark and wet and everybody is seasick and people are anxious and everything fucking sucks. Um, And they watch the bombers fly over to release their payloads. And Lupe is watching Rio watching the bombing. And Rio has this disgusted look on her face that is quickly concealed and changed to one of vague disappointment to even boredom. Uh, The sun is coming up and they can see the steeple of a church and they can also see the hedgehog mines on the beach. Um, And Lupe is looking around at the sergeants. Uh, Kat Preling and Dane Sticklin are also seemingly very calm. Lieutenant Horn is visibly terrified and only speaking in like monosyllables. And she quickly realizes that the sergeants are putting on an act for the sake of the privates. (laughs) Lupe is fucking smart. Oh, man. So then they hear this bawoosh, and an artillery shell lands in the water not 50 feet from them, and another follows, and that one hits a boat that's a little bit down the line, and it sends a body flying into the air. And Lupe notices that she and the other very green recruits have been put at the front of the boat. She wonders if this is because the veterans will push them off if any of them freeze up. And she also wonders if it's because her life her life means less than the veterans. Again, she's fucking smart. She knows. Rough buddy. That's rough buddy. <laughs> uh, she can see the hedgehogs getting closer and she finally sees what the bombers did. The bombers did jack shit. They yeah. missed everything. The bombs fell behind the German lines. They have no holes and they didn't even take anyone out. It's that's why Rio was pissed. I also think Rio was pissed because she was thinking about Strand and what a piece of shit oh, he yeah, is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Whatever. She's probably like every single one of those goddamn motherfuckers up there is a Strand Funky, Braxton. Useless Air Force. They're gonna fly back to their base and have a nice hot shower while the rest of us fucking die. You fucking dick, Strand Braxton. I God, I hate him. I'm so mad. Ugh, God. Um. So yeah, no holes. Everything sucks. Uh. She can see the concrete pillboxes at the top of the bluff that contain the German guns. The coxswain yells, five minutes, and Lieutenant Horn starts making an inspirational speech to all the men and, you know, definitely leaves out the women in his little speech, and Gear tells him to fuck off, basically. <laughs> um, and then the ramp of the boat drops without warning, and there is, like, a hundred feet of water in between them and the shore, and Horn's, Horn's yelling at them to go. Hank Hobart and another private uh, jump into the water and they just sink. They disappear. And the boat just starts getting sprayed with German machine gun fire. And people are just like taken out. They just start going down. Private Sweetheart starts to go, but then he just drops the BAR that he's holding and just like tries to turn back around. He gave up immediately. Lupe is like absolutely terrified, but she starts running down the ramp. And then fucking cut to black because Rio's perspective is happening now. She just watched two recruits jump into the water and Lupe just got like half of her throat torn off. She's dead. You can't do this to me, Michael Grant. (laughs) Literally, by putting us in Lupe's perspective, immediately because that's how we were introduced to everybody else and the way she was introduced, we all cared about her. We all loved her. 
And then you start this chapter like we're going to get it from her perspective. And then you pull this fucking shit on us. She didn't get off the boat. She didn't make it to the war. She was so upset (laughs) about missing Missing her cattle drive. The cattle drive. She didn't even want to be here. She didn't even want to be here. It was the last year she was going to go back to her dad. And now she just died on this boat. shaking my head you can't hear it but i am fucking grant what the fuck bro like the beginning of this chapter like all the chapters say like whose perspective it's gonna be from so i thought it was interesting this one says um rio and janelle but then we were put into lupe's perspective and i'm like oh that's really weird oh no fucking michael grant can't do this man but like i know if he was listening to this he'd just be shrugging he'd be like that's life man i know right and like listen (laughs) i'm mad about it because i liked it and because i care not yeah. because I think you did a bad job or anything yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really what this, like, what, oh, God, it's like, it's like how viscerally upset I get about David. And it's because he is so good at what he is. Like, <laughs> when I feel an emotion strongly, it's a good thing. Oh, I fucking hate David. Fucking hate David. Man, God, Michael Gray, Catherine Applegate can write some really repulsive characters. <laughs> yes, they can. David, fucking Gear. Luca, <laughs> Luca, Strand Braxton. Stran- He's the real villain. Honestly, I feel like Strand Braxton is the worst character anyone has ever written. <laughs> Not like he's a bad character. No, he's, he's the the greatest villain the ever greatest. fucking written. Mediocre white man misogynist. <laughs> the hero we can all hate. Or the villain we can all hate, not the hero. Oh, God. It's just like, how do you pull a girl like Rio and then decide the things that you decided? <laughs> you piece of shit. So yeah, Rio's like, shit, fuck, gear, get everybody moving. Um, she tosses her gun to Jeno, she jumps into the water to save Hank Hobart and the other guy whose name I did not write down because he's he's, he's dead. dead. He's dead. He's gone. He's a throwaway. Um, he's a spare she, guy. <laughs> spare dude. He's such a spare. He's such a spare. And we did kill the spare. God. Um, she finds Hank Hobart. He's thrashing and she's trying to like fight with him to get his belt off and get his gear off of him so he can get to the surface. She comes up herself to get air and he is floating towards her and he's got blood billowing from his back so he's like he's fucked um she manages to swim towards the shore and gunfire is just erupting all around her and she's like oh fuck i just lost three i just lost three soldiers and we didn't even get here yet um she finds the bar because it got dropped into the water because private sweetheart failed so hard Um, She drags it and herself onto shore and she takes a quick shelter behind one of the hedgehogs and looks back at the boat and it's fucking chaos. It's been just shot up. There's bodies everywhere on the boat, on the ramp, in the water. 
people are screaming and crying and there are two soldiers that like join her next to the hedgehog and they're like hysterical one of them gets shot immediately um she sees pang dragging dragging Jeannot up the beach uh jack is crawling face down but he's still alive she sees maria molina gripping a hedgehog for dear life and bb's with her and he looks also terrified but he's at least holding his fucking gun um, and she starts yelling for everybody to move. She has to get them to the seawall. Um, an explosion rocks nearby and something soft bounces off her shoulder and she does not even want to know what it is. So everybody starts moving. Uh, Gear has to run back and grab Melina. Lieutenant Horn has lost his mind completely and he is trying to dig himself a hole in the sand like a fucking turtle. Um, Private Sweetheart emerges from the surf with his hands in the air screaming, no, no, no. And she is like trying to yell at him to get down. He is, he's, he's gone. He's beyond hearing. She has to go and bodily tackle him. And of course he's like struggling and hysterical. She finally pulls her knife on him and she's like, get your fucking shit together. And that kind of makes him snap out of it. And then he fucking yells, here I go, stands up and starts running and screaming towards the wall like Leroy fucking Jenkins. What a fucking disaster. God. I hate that man. Oh my God. Not as much as Strand Braxton. No, but fuck, shit. Um, So Rio's following her squad. She's hurting them like a sheepdog. And they finally collapse against this like very shallow seawall. That's made of concrete and is topped by barbed wire. Um, and the Higgins boats are turning and heading back out to sea. And Rio thinks, like, they're leaving us here to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and she needs to get them to the base of the sea cliffs where they'll be a little bit safer. And she's like, does anybody have wire cutters? And Jack pulls some out of his backpack. And she meant to cut the wires herself. But he just, like, crawls over and starts doing it because he's a good boy. Um, and as soon as the wire springs away... And another soldier just gets hit right in the face and his brain explodes out the back of his head. Rio screams, go. Ah! (laughs) What the fuck? I broke the audio with that scream. (laughs) It was fucking chaos. Absolute fucking chaos. Fucking brutal. They just got mowed down. Yeah. And from, like, every depiction that I've seen or read or whatever, like, Seems pretty accurate. <laughs> Normandy was a shit show. Yep. Yep, oh. an absolute fucking bloodbath. There's a song by um, the guy who sings American Pie. Uh-huh. Bye, bye, Mr. American yeah, Pie. Yeah. Um, he has a song called The Grave, and it's about like a soldier that signs up for war, but then when he's actually in it, he like, gets so terrified, so he like buries himself in the mud and and the whole thing is like the earth is his grave and that just reminded me of like when horn's trying to like dig himself into the ground i'm just like fuck god man it's fucked the fuck up it's fucking brutal man very fucking brutal fucking private sweetheart why can't he die (laughs) Like, if anyone's oh gonna God. die, like, Over this Lupe. is a... I know! Well, but, uh, even Hobart, he was just a baby. Like, fucking kill the idiot. Ugh. Michael Man. Grant does this on purpose. He's like, let's kill the good people that you care about and keep alive the people that you hate. 
<sighs> yeah. Huh. I shouldn't be surprised. He this isn't this isn't new. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. All right. Next frangie chapter. Holy shit, second wave of emotion. So, Frangie is still on the boat. She's in her Jeep, and she's being loaded down onto the tank deck. Um, and basically, she's going to bring up the rear once all the tanks disembark. So, she's, like, way in the back. And she's just watching this shit show happen on the beach. And there's, like, bodies everywhere. And she sees a corporal in the surf. He's still alive, but he's struggling. And, you know, water's washing over him. And she's like, he's going to drown. And she's looking around for help. All the other medics are busy with patients because there's fucking chaos everywhere and nobody sees this guy except for Frangie and she's like well and she jumps off the jeep and starts running down the hatch with the tanks and she's ah god she has a moment where she kind of looks around at all the black soldiers um men and women alike going to take on the white supremacist nazis and she thinks like oh man i can't wait to tell my little brother about this but okay, back to business. And then she spots um, Sergeant Moore in his tank and she's like, hey, can I bum a ride? And he's like, I guess you can grab onto the side. So she does. She rides this tank onto the shore as bullets are ricocheting off the boat and off of everywhere. She jumps off the tank and runs to the drowning man while actively being shot at. Oh my God. This is just the first part of the badassery, you guys. Oh my God. Um, so she's running towards this guy and then she sees a Higgins boat that's headed towards the same spot and she is like trying to race it there, but she trips and she falls and she watches helplessly as the boat drops the ramp right on top of this guy and the soldiers are just running off the ramp and they have no idea what they just did. Oh God. It's so brutal. And then an artillery shell bounces off of a tank and lands onto the ramp of the boat that she just got off of and blows it, the ramp, into a twisted heap, which is going to block all of the other tanks and her jeep for coming ashore. And she's like, shit, I'm not supposed to be here. What do I do now? And she hesitates for a second. And then she feels a smack on her helmet, sensibly ducks down, and she sees a shiny new metallic streak across the red cross under her helmet. Oh, symbolism. (laughs) (laughs) And her mind is going, you don't belong out here. You need to get back on the ship. You're not supposed to be here. You're going to die. Her body says, fuck that, and starts crawling towards the first injured soldier that she can reach. And then there's this montage of her just going from patient to patient, from soldier to soldier, answering any calls for a medic. Some have superficial wounds some have more serious wounds some cannot be saved at all some are just dead um and there's a woman soldier who's uninjured but she's crouched down and she's rocking back and forth she's in a panic frangie gives her some m&ms from her pocket and says have these they'll give you courage and she watches the light come back into this woman woman's eyes this is where i started crying in the notes like straight up like what the fuck crying in the club um there's another woman that she finds whose leg is missing and she doesn't even realize it and frangie's like get down i'm gonna tie off the artery and the woman's like oh god where's my leg what happened to my leg 
and the unfortunately the meat is so badly shredded she can't find the artery and the woman just can't be saved she dies um and then a white captain is running past with his troop and he's like hey you come with me so frangie gets like swept up into this little group and they're running towards the cliffs and she's like trying to help out whoever she can along the way and she's just looking around and people are putting out the fire where the shell hit her ship and she sees another tank that's like running parallel to the beach so that the soldiers can like run alongside it and get some cover. It's just fucking chaos. Um, and then Frangie hears a voice and she sees Rio and Jeannot next to her and they're, and they have their whole like, Oh, I know you fancy meeting you here. And Frangie tells Jeannot to put a bandage on the cut on Jeannot's head and Jeannot makes a joke that she'll take morphine and said, cause she just wants to go to sleep. Um, and they take a second to look at all the fire and the bodies and the chaos everywhere around them. And Frangie is just like, yep, we're all going to die here. And she starts to recite the, the Lord is my shepherd. Like as I walk through the Valley of the shadow of death, that one, um, she's interrupted as she sees a man take a bullet and she just kind of turns to Rio and is like, take care of yourself. And she goes to do her job. Oh my, I'm going to punch something. If ever you wanted to look at an incredible example of like a, a soldier that can do so much without shooting people and so on and so forth, this is an amazing example. Yeah. I, this chapter made me so emotional. Yeah. It, the hopeless, like, the first part where she sees that soldier, she's like, she, just talking about, like, dreams, like, where you can't get to your objective, she is doing everything she can to track this guy down. She sees him die, and she's like, I need to save this one guy, and she focuses on him, and she's, like, getting off the ship, running to him, doing as much as she can, and then the last minute she's there, and the ramp comes down on top of, like, Mm -hmm. that was horrific to read mm-hmm. like that was she so tried so hard. hard she tried so hard and at the very last second she tripped and the, and the ramp came down and oh. she like she can't process it she just has to move on to the next person mm-hmm. yep. and the next person and the next person and like so many of them were just like, yeah, we get the, the woman that needs, like, the M&Ms and that kind of stuff. But so many of the people she came across were just not savable. Like, yeah, this is just, it really illustrated how much of, like, just a meat grinder this situation was. Yeah. And she she almost got shot. She I mean, she did get shot. Her helmet took it. But, like, she almost got taken out. Yeah. And I don't remember what part we read in what book um, where she mentioned, like, there was kind of an understanding. There was supposed to be kind of an understanding that you don't shoot medics, but she didn't think the Germans were going to abide by that. Yep, that's supposed to be, like, the rules of engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know why the M&M's thing got me. I think it was just because it was, like, the first person she treated, it was just, like, okay, superficial wound. The second person was, like, they're gonna die. I'm gonna 
give him morphine to give him a more humane death. Like the third person was whatever, the fourth person. And then this was just such a different example of being helpful. Mm-hmm. And it was just like kind of out of nowhere. It's like, it was like, you're treating the physical wounds of these soldiers. You're also treating this person who is just like dissociating and shutting down and being like, it's not much, but like, I care about you and I see you. And that, God, no, I'm doing it again. There are tears. No. It's, oh, no, God. it's, it's great because like, this could have been the moment where she was like, get it together. Like, look at the situation that we're yeah. in. We're all in this shit. Get it together. How yeah. dare you? And it, she didn't. She still took that time uh-huh. and she yeah. treated her like a person. Yeah. <laughs> very different for Rhea, who held a knife to a man's neck and was like, stop panicking, get your shit together. I love it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> listen, we all have our ways of dealing with it. <laughs> oh my god. I'm crying in the club. <laughs> panicking at the disco. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think it's it's a good reaction to it. Like, it was, it was like a monumental moment in its simplicity and its kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, shit. And maybe that girl went off to be a real badass. Because yeah. in the next chapter, we see that that's possible. <laughs> yep. Despite everything. Oh my god. Ugh. Alright, so we're back in Rio's head, and she's watching Frangie run away to go do her thing, and she's like, I'm never gonna see her again. You don't know that. You don't know that. But she's not getting her hopes up, because that's not a thing that we can afford to do, I guess. Um, so she kind of looks next to her, and she sees uh, seven of her squad members left, and there's just like random people just hanging out. They've lost their squad. They've lost their leaders. They're just like orphans, just like following hanging out. her. <laughs> yeah. You seem to know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And we she hope. sees like Kat and Dane are kind of in the same boat. Um, mm-hmm. She does not see Pang or Bibi. Um, and she kind of like makes a mental note of that. Um, she does see Maria Molina. This was the girl that was clinging to the hedgehog for dear life. Um, finally running up the beach and she like tackles gear and like, you know, joins them at the wall. Um, and then a colonel shows up and kind of demands who who's in charge of everything. Rio points him to Captain Passy, who is further down with Stick. And the colonel leads uh, their little group over there. And um, basically, they kind of evaluate the situation. And there's no way up this clip except through these kind of like naturally formed channels that they're calling draws. Um, and then at the top of these draws, there's barbed wire and German pillboxes up there. Um, so the colonel says he got a hold of some Bangalore explosives and says the plan is to charge the draw, cut the wire, and take out the pillboxes because they cannot stay on the beach or they will die. Um, which is true. (laughs) (laughs) Fact. (laughs) Factual fact. Um... As he's saying this, they hear some of the Bangalores go off, and Rio's like, all right, everybody, let's go. Let's charge. And everybody just starts running through this steep gully. There's pillboxes on either sides, and and they're just getting shot at in this narrow space. 
um, and a guy in front of Rio gets hit, and she just has to, like, jump over his corpse. Um, and then she realizes very quickly she has no weapon, because she dropped the BAR when she got onto the beach. Um, and another guy gets hit and wounded in front of her, and Rio's just like, hey, give me your gun. And so she just takes this guy's gun and two clips of ammo from his belt and hurries to catch up with everyone. Um, and then up ahead, the draw starts to narrow and it's creating kind of this, like, what do you call that? Everybody gets bunched up. Yeah, bottleneck. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and she sees the Germans starting to hurl down grenades and she's like, this is a bad situation. Cat, bless her fucking heart, catches a grenade in midair, looks very confused for a second, and then yeets it back into the air and it explodes and doesn't hurt anybody. Oh my god. The what girl a- panicked the shit out of me when she just started staring at it. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever been reading before and gone, no, 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 no. Because that's what I did. <laughs> holy shit (laughs) oh god i was so scared it was terrifying oh my god what a champion oh god oh where the fuck am i cat just fucking caught a grenade and then threw it goddamn (laughs) back um the colonel and the captain call rio over and they're basically like okay uh stick's gonna go try and take out the mgs he needs some help and she's like yep got it um so stick points out there's like a crack in the draws wall and it's just wide enough for someone to climb up it's kind of like a chimney i guess is what i'm picturing um and there's barbed wire on top of that so rio calls down the line for someone to pass up some bangalores and they end up with two of them and they have to get to the other side of this draw so she and stick start running it's 30 feet and they're just getting chased with machine gun fire um they make it over there and stick starts climbing the walls he's like bracing his back against one side and his legs against the other and just kind of shimmying up very slowly rio hands him the bangalores and starts climbing up after him eventually they're like face to face near the top and she kind of sticks her head up to look And they quickly form a plan that they're going to throw the explosives up, but that will alert the German infantry, so they're going to follow it up with grenades and gunfire. So they need a couple more people to come with them. Rhea looks down, and she sees everybody just looking fucking terrified, and she knows that none of these people are up to the task except for a couple of her own. It has to be the veterans. So she calls Cheneau and Jack over. Uh, Jack has a bunch of, uh, grenades and the guns, uh, Jeannot has a bunch of extra ammo and they're, you know, crawling up after them. Stick lights the fuse on the Bangalore, um, and after that goes off, Jack and Jeannot throw up grenades. They give it five seconds for the smoke to really get going. And then they climb up and they just start, like, laying fire to the Germans up there. Um, and then after they take out a couple, Rio makes it up this short slope, And she sees Germans positioned in this kind of, like, trench below her. And Jack and Jeannot start, like, pulling pin after pin of grenades and lobbing them. And she's just taking out all of the machine gun operators. And they're just, like, laying waste to everyone below them. And Rio is so distracted that she almost gets shot from behind. Like, you know, she's in the process of, like, stopping shooting. She feels the movement behind her. She hears the click of the gun. And she, like, goes to reach for something. She knows it's too slow. She sees the gun at her face. 
And then the guy collapses, and behind him, she sees Maria Molina with her carbine smoking. And she wasn't even fucking invited to this particular raid. She showed up of her own accord to fight. Um, so Rio and Stick pick off a couple more Germans, and then a voice yells in surrender. The guy comes out with his hands behind his head, and Rio can see that this guy is, he's old. Like, he's, like, well into his 50s, and they're like, oh my god, that's what's been, like, killing us? What the fuck? Um, so Rio goes to secure the trench, and BB appears from nowhere and starts salvaging all of the Germans' rations because he's a good, good boy! Oh my god, baby. He is a hobbit. No one can convince me otherwise. Oh my god! He's like the member of the D&D party. After you kill everybody, he goes around and raids all the bodies. Like, what the fuck? This guy, I love him. Oh my god. Um, so there are just, like, German corpses strewn about in various stages of dismembered and Rio declares it all clear. She sees Melina standing nearby, and Rio's basically like, cool shooting, bro! How's your war going? And Melina is like, well, I like it a whole lot better when I can shoot back. And Rio's basically like, okay, you're alright, kid. Let's let's go take a walk and see what we find. Maybe kill some more Germans. And that is where we end this part of the book. This, the last chapter we read... I I was reeling after it. I was like, I think I texted you immediately. It was like, did you read this? <laughs> like, what? What? Stop! Oh my god! Oh my god is correct. What the fuck? There's okay. There's. I'm just gonna point out a bunch of stuff. I don't have like the full idea formed yet maybe by the time i'm done talking i will sure but like rio this is exactly what she feared happening and like there's no discussion about how she feels about this from her perspective as the person that is the sergeant in charge of them but this was exactly what she was afraid of she lost people she didn't even Mm -hmm. get to the war and she lost people Mm -hmm. she made calls that almost got herself killed. And it was only through sheer luck that somebody was there to save her ass. Which has happened twice now. Right? Because mm-hmm. it happened with Jack. And now it happened with... Um, what is her name? Remind me again. Melina. 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 What's her last name? Melina. Oh, what's her first name? It's Maria Melina. Sorry. Maria Melina. Okay, <laughs> so Melina. it was Maria. <laughs> I wasn't pulling that name out of nowhere. Maria Melina. Um, how do you solve a problem like Maria? I don't know. How do you catch a wave upon the sand <laughs> i don't i just Sorry. don't know um uh, yeah top it's topical that happened same time <laughs> right now across the yeah. country there is a maria singing edelweiss <gasps> you're right <laughs> oh my god you're right same time period oh my god yes. <laughs> talk about the bond traps again the bond trap okay anyways um like, everything that Rio feared would happen would happen. Like, they were in an impossible scenario. It got worse because, of course, they the Air Force fucked up. Ugh. They had to do this impossible plan where they're throwing smoke bombs and shit and grenades and all this shit to try and take over the Germans. Once again, they were the only group to break the German lines and there was no backup behind them because they were the ones that breached the line. Yep. And she didn't keep 
eyes on everybody the whole time. And she made mistakes herself that she wouldn't have made if she wasn't worrying about other people. Like, all in all, this was like maybe a C or a D grade for yeah. how well this went for her. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll, I'll give her a C, okay? She only lost three people out of like 12. She didn't even lose the majority. So I'll give her a C. But <laughs> And there was, there was kind of no follow-up to that. Because there can't be, right? Like, she's still in the shit. She's still in the deep action. Yeah. But like, I am so curious as to like, what this is going to do to her mental state when she has a moment to stop and, like, reflect on how that all went. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, like, there's nothing she could have done, though. There's nothing she could have done. She didn't do anything wrong at any point. Yeah. God. What the fuck? Yeah. Who came up with this cockamamie scheme? Of war? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I meant specifically Normandy, but yes. Oh, okay, the whole, okay. The whole one. <laughs> the whole thing. Humans. Uh, humans. Humans did. I don't like them. I don't really like them either. They bed. Yeah. It's a frangy. That frangy. <laughs> Holy shit, she's incredible. Oh my god. Ugh. I like, that's the other thing. Is that we've had so many discussions with so many people at this point who are like, we're going to die in the war. Like, we're going to die at some point. Like, in the war, we're dead. And Frangie's like, oh, like, I'll tell, I'll tell Obel about this someday. I'll, maybe I'll tell my own children about this someday. I'm like, she still fucking has hope? What the fuck? Yeah, and like, she's the one that has seen the most destruction and like, the, the most shit, like, yeah. That's that's part of what makes her so incredible is that she sees the worst of everything and she's still like, I'm going to save people. I'm going to help people. Like, if she hasn't gotten, like, the most jaded she's got, she's like, I drank a beer once. <laughs> it's like, girl, that doesn't even count. <laughs> I drank a beer once. I said, fuck. Yeah, all right. You're so... All right, you did. <laughs> oh, my God. Precious child. Yeah, it's like... It's wild. She's, like, one of the most incredible humans ever. Like, I don't... I don't... How can... How can Michael Grant write Strand Braxton and also <laughs> Frangie Marr? Like... <laughs> How did these two things come from the same mind? The very best and the very worst. Yeah. This is this is my scale of humanity now. Like it's yeah. not like good and evil anymore. It's like yeah. Strand Braxton and Frangimar. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe so maybe that's like what resonated with me with Rio so much. Because like the whole time she's being this incredible soldier, right? Like we're always told you yep. are an amazing soldier. Yep. But what she did was like the best she could, but, like, generally not the greatest job in this. And, like, Frangie is doing something, like, incredible, superhuman, amazing. Rainy, incredible, superhuman, amazing. Like, she is so smart and so with it. And, like, oh, my God, the quick thinking and the execution of those guys and, like, just fighting that guy. Like, there's so much, like, PTSD and, like, other shit going on there, too. Yeah. And then there's Rio, who just, it really felt like, yeah, any one of us could be Rio in this situation. Yeah. Oh. I'm just amazed. Yeah, me too. 
Something I didn't mention was, um, so when Rio is like, Rio just lost Hank and she's hiding behind the hedgehog, kind of looking around at her and she sees Pang dragging Jeannot up the, up the shore or whatever. At some point, Jeannot like gets up and starts like yelling, like she stands up and like kind of, I guess like starts panicking a little bit Yeah, and Rio has to scream at her to get down and she does and it's just kind of like you see, you kind of see all the veterans like keeping their cool a lot mm-hmm. of the time and but they're still like at least i interpret it as like there's still moments of like this, this like involuntary like animalistic like panic that happens oh yeah absolutely it's like it's just like these are the <laughs> they're they're play acting like that's i feel like that's why lupe's observations and then immediate death were so mm-hmm. horrific was because literally like lupe just tore back that curtain of like they're all scared they're all terrified they're just play acting and then we don't really we see snippets of that coming through and even like bb right like we know BB is not like the fighter of the group, mm-hmm. but he's been in this this situation before, and he was still panicking too. And like, it's just, it's wild. Yeah. And I think way more truthful than like seven confident people swaggering up to the beach. Like, I know. <laughs> no, they're they're losing their shit too. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's like it's like they're less likely to like lose their shit and panic, but they're still gonna do it mm-hmm. because this is not this is not normal. This is not safe. This is not recommended. This is not yeah. CDC recommended. No. Oh God. So I I didn't mention that in the summary, but I I kind of liked that a lot. Yeah. And like. Even like it's just in contrast of like everyone else around her that was panicking that was like beyond help. Mm-hmm. Jeannot had this moment of like, oh god, but she was able to get it under control. Yeah. Like that is just that, oh god I'm mad and I wanna punch. It's so good. <laughs> like it's so good. It's amazing. It's god. like the more I think about it, the more and more I unpack. It's like every single sentence in here matters. Every single thing yeah. that happens does. Where is Hansu Pang? I'm super worried about him. That's the thing. Like, I'm so scared that it's going to be like he died. And no. He... Oh, man. he can't. He can't. And he can't have an off-screen death. Like, oh, my come God. On. I will. Like, don't. Don't. <laughs> yeah, no. Maybe... Maybe we'll find out he did something really awesome, which I'll still be mad that that happened off screen. But yeah. maybe he'd be like, I captured this thing <laughs> or something. Or he'll like show up in the most unexpected place at the most yeah. unexpected time. Like, I I attacked and killed the entire crew of a German panzer and now it's our German panzer or something. That would be really <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be very cool. Uh, uh, but yeah, he needs to show up because I'm worried about him. Because, like, BB came back, BB was missing, and he came back, and he is a hobbit. He's, I swear to God, he's a hobbit. (laughs) And I like how they've mentioned twice now that Rio knows everybody's names. Everyone has forgotten BB's name. Like, his real name. (laughs) Even Rio is like, we don't, we don't know what his name is. (laughs) We don't think he knows what his name is anymore. (laughs) He's 
the baby. Oh, God. Uh, kills me. It's very good. I thought about that at the most random moment the other day. Like, I was in the, like, the line at, like, Dunkin' Donuts or something. And I just thought about, like, we know everybody's name except BB. And everyone's forgotten his name. And, like, that was the old, that was the whole beginning and end of the thought. I was just, like, 30 yards staring at the drive through sign going, like, nobody knows that man's name. <laughs> I remember it starts with B. It's like... Yeah, and his last name also starts with B. And he's from, like, Boise... Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Beaverton, because Tila made a joke about his calling being Beaver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? It's a mystery. Yeah. There's no way to know. He's just baby. Baby. I can't. Fucking cat. Fucking cat with that grenade. Cat. I was so... I was screaming. (laughs) No. No, 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 no. Throw it. This bitch is empty. Yeet. I can't wait to read the next part. I know. I don't... Fuck. I was going to say something else. Oh, Etienne is definitely a traitor. Rainy's yeah, gonna, for sure. Rainy's going to murder him. I hope so. And Marie's going to be like, you did the right thing. Yep. I'm sad, but you did the right thing. He was an asshole and he needed it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> another another one for the man dumpster. Yes. Etienne, get the fuck out of here. That's all my thoughts. I think that's all my thoughts, too. I know we say this a lot, but everyone listening to this, my summary did not do it justice. You need to read these fucking books. Like, if you want all of the feels, like, just go read these books. If you want the truth, no summary either of us has ever done, has done any of these books justice. Oh, just go read them. Yeah, my favorite thing in the fucking world. It hasn't happened for Frontlines yet, but my favorite thing in the fucking world is when people are like, oh my god, I just read Endling, and I have so many thoughts. And it's like, yes! Like, go read the book! (laughs) Like, literally, if you love Animorphs, you're gonna love other stuff that they write because they write it! They have the same fucking, like... Like, they take the same values and the same, like, you know type of like character development like the care of the character development and they put it in their other books i'm ready it's like if you've ever read a book and finished it and thought i want the vibe of this book but i don't know how to search for this in specific search terms because i don't know how to accurately describe like just take my feelings and smash them into my very soul and let it come out a bloody pulp just know, pick up anything yeah. by Catherine or Michael or both. Yeah. And it's going to fit that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Midas Touch is going to be good. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait. Oh, God. All right. Should we do the yeah. shit? Let's do the, the sign-off machine. Let's do the sign-offs. If you have thoughts about any books that Catherine or Michael have ever written, we're going to get to them. Don't worry. But you can email us at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com, applegrantbookclub at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at applegrantbookclub or Animorphs Anonymous or super secret, super awesome subgroup, the Andalite Bandalites, or find us on Twitter at Animorphs Anon or Applegrantcast. Yeah, sure. Sure. I'm saying it. <laughs> Does it exist? I don't fucking know. 
or Instagram, also oh. at AppleGreatCast. I don't fucking know. Or Animorphs Anonymous. Just <laughs> sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. Animorphs Anonymous. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Do it! Um, fucking come to the Discord server. End thought. We have a Discord server. <laughs> um... <laughs> And uh, it's full of really awesome people, and we talk like we talk like literally every day. Like some days, like we oh. really talk, but like we absolutely talk every single day. It's so Quite much fun. Literally every single day, every All day. single day. There's not a single day that's gone by where there's been nothing. Like everybody's there. That would freak me the fuck out at this point. I'd be like, are you all dead? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. No. I would start calling people <laughs> on the phones. <laughs> what are you doing? Wellness checks on everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's full of really awesome people. We've made so many friends there. Everyone's really nice. Um, so if you want the link to that, you can hit us up on any of our socials. We'll give you the link, and you can come hang out with us. Um, what else are we doing? Um, if you like Animorphs Anonymous and you want to like listen to the entire series again, we're putting episodes up on YouTube. Because why not? Um, you can go listen to those at Strong Shape International if you... Look, look for that on YouTube, and uh, and you can also listen to Cadmus Crisis on there a little bit. They haven't updated in a while, but they're there, lurking. They are waiting, <laughs> ready to strike. Um, Cute. What if though I've listened to everything that we've ever published, all five billion hours of it, and I think, God, I wish I could just read for once. Well, first of all, you should read these books. Um. <laughs> I, I want pictures. Okay. If you want something with pictures that is also a reading, um, there are web comics. I have a web comic that I think is pretty cool. Um, and it's called Beside You. It's about music and romance. And it's getting... Listen, I've been thumbnailing future chapters. It's, it's going places. So you won't want to miss that. You can read it for free on Tapas and Webtoons or at bsideyoucomic.com. You can also go to patreon.com slash kcdstudios. That's my Patreon. And you can, like, see stuff that's early. You can see stuff that's exclusive to Patreon. Like, and you can just help me make this a work of comic. And this, I don't know. It's just cool. There's also a podcast on, on it. Yep. <laughs> That's right. And Dan and I are going to drop an emergency episode when the stuff that you're thumbnailing right now comes out oh, no. for the low, low price of $8,252 a month. I kind of lost the thread. I don't know if that's a real number. <laughs> One, two, three, four, halfway five, through, seven, eight. <laughs> yeah, halfway through saying that number, I kind of forgot where I was. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real number. <laughs> but for that low, low price, you can get the Slater cast. On Casey's Patreon. Patreon.com slash KCD Studios. Fucking incredible. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, I've done that. I've listened to the Slater cast. I am inundated with Slater and love him now. Um, As you should. And I, the person who really... I mean, both Dan and Alex did that. But I heard that Alex also does other podcasts and things... And I would like to know more about those. Well, all right. Hey, you probably came here for Animorphs. What What about if we played Animorphs D&D? Would you like that? Fuck yeah. Uh, cool. I, I do that on Dungeons and Dragon Beams. I play Savannah, who's one of the idiot teens with a death wish that can turn into any animal that she could touch. 
And boy, does she keep collecting them animals. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. <laughs> Gotta catch them all, Pokemon. Uh, yeah, so anyways, Dungeons and Dragon Beams. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's D&D 5e. I play on it. We do a live play Twitch stream. There's a podcast that comes out. There's YouTube videos that if you miss the Twitch stream, you can still see all the cool makeup looks that I will serve up. Hell and, yeah. Uh, it's hot. <laughs> So there's that. If you ever want to know what my face looks like, go to Dungeons and Dragon Beeps. Uh, if you still would like to leave what my face looks like a mystery, but hear fun, fun, amazing goofs with people who are hilarious and wonderful, then check out Horse Girls, where we talk about another YA series, Heartland. And we're going to be changing into other YA series soon. And we're right now in the middle of recording a bunch of episodes with like cool, fun guests that you might know and love. So consider that and go check out Horse Girls. <laughs> um, and also, what else? What the fuck else? Cadmus to Crisis is a Superboy podcast. They're, they share a YouTube channel. They're great. I'm on that one. They're not doing new stuff right now, but they exist. And I've been on one called Soup Salad Sandwich that might be coming back in some capacity. There's really no way to know. I don't know. I don't know either, you guys. I'm just as in the dark as you. But listen, anytime you want to throw down, tag Nate. Ask him if it's a soup salad or sandwich. I will be in that chat claiming the exact opposite of whatever <laughs> Nate says and defending it with my life. And that is my promise to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, I think those are all the ones I'm on that are allowed to be talked about right oh, now. Oh, yeah. I heard you were on one that we're not allowed to talk about yet. But I heard you were on one that we weren't allowed to talk about yet. Is it, is it the same one that you're on that we're not allowed to talk about? I don't know. I don't think we can talk about it. So I think <laughs> this is going to remain a secret. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. We're marketing geniuses. Why don't people <laughs> contact us for everything? Oh, my God. We know how to get the hype up. Yeah. <laughs> Spend eight months talking about a podcast. <laughs> Not naming it, not explaining what it is. <laughs> oh shit! So funny. Oh, thank you to Jess for our awesome theme music that I'm obsessed with. We love it. It's um, incredible. Thank you, Jess. Yeah, thanks, Jess. She's at it's Reese on Twitter. That's right. This concludes our broadcast day. That's it. Is that a World War Two thing, or is that like uh, a general British? Or something. I I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like any old-timey radio broadcast sign-off is going to be like, just go Transatlantic Man and, like, sign-off yeah. on the radio. It'll work. Yeah, yeah. And there's, like, some fucking music. It sounds like theremin. Oh, my God. Zoom just popped up a thing that said playing music, question mark. What? <laughs> We did it. We broke Zoom. We tricked Zoom into thinking we were playing old-timey radio music. Oh, my God. Don't you feel stupid, Zoom? That was (laughs) my mouth noises. (laughs) We've peaked. We have peaked. Hopefully, not the audio.